Welcome to the Championship Leadership Podcast. And today I'm I'm um, I'm really excited we have our guest today. He is a former US Navy SEAL, 11 years of faithful service. He left, left kind of in the prime of his career, which I definitely know uh, was difficult for him to do, but but the reasons behind it were were just as powerful to go and just to uh, start a family. And so currently he serves as a director of military programs with Higher Grounds. It's an organization that helps veterans through therapeutic recreation. So I'm excited to talk more about that. Uh, you can find our guest, our guest today, Monty Heath. He uh, lives in Virginia Beach and you can find him at his, he's got a website, The Full Monty, and that's M-O-T-Y dot net. You can follow him on Instagram at Monty underscore Heath. And also check him out. He's got a podcast that's powerful as well uh, called The Full Monty Podcast. You can find that on all the, the incredible places that you find podcasts today. So with that, I want to introduce our, our guest today, uh, Monty Heath. Thank you so much for being here. really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So I know you've listened to a few episodes. So the first, first question I'll, I'd love to ask each of our guests is, you know, the name of the podcast, Championship Leadership. So what does that mean to you when you, when you hear Championship Leadership? Yeah, Championship Leadership. So first of all, Championship says some things. I think it means that you're on the top of your game. You know, NFL, Super Bowl, Major League, World Series, Olympic Gold, uh, Naval Special Warfare Development Group. So it means that you're on the top of your game. You're not in the, the JV League. So you've You've put a lot of time and effort into into getting there. I think uh, the leadership portion also says a lot. I think leadership is a lot of things. It's obviously influence, not to be confused with manipulation or sort of the shadow side of influence is manipulation. I think we need to lead from the front by example. Um, I think we need to put the mission first, though the older I get, I wonder if we should put people first. We can talk mm. about that, but yeah. I think you, you do have to have a mission focus. <laughs> You've got to have some knowledge and experience. And I think the most important aspect, or in my opinion, one of the most important aspects of championship leadership is not allowing your ego to kind of screw you over. And how that happens is, is 
people with high egos and, and overpower, overbearing egos, they don't surround themselves with people that are better than them at something or smarter than them because they, they see them as threats. And the problem with that is, is we all have weaknesses. And if we don't address our weaknesses or find other people that fill in for those weaknesses, we're not going to create a championship team and we're not going to be a championship leader. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you said a lot there that I love. Um, and yeah, I definitely want to get into that people first versus mission first conversation. But I'll talk a little bit more maybe about the ego though. You know, I just, I go back to my time as a, as a, a very young lieutenant and really just a kid still in life and not a lot of experiences. And it can be easy for that ego to, to, to be in the way. I mean, maybe you could talk about your experiences uh, in the SEAL teams and, uh, you know, is that something that you um, experienced from, from certain leaders? Is it, you know, how was that handled and dealt with? I can imagine how it would have been held handled and, and, and dealt with, but, but I would love to hear, you know, some of those experiences, maybe it's something that you saw in yourself as a, as a leader coming up in the military. Yeah, sure. So um, I'll get into me for sure. And the yeah. quick answer is, is I had an overinflated ego and I uh -huh. had a lack of humility, you know, yeah. not really, uh, not no big surprise, you know, coming out of the SEAL teams without humility or <laughs> empathy for that matter. But back to you and what you said, you know, I think one of the reasons why the military works so well, even when they put in a young, fresh, you know, first, second lieutenant is because they have senior, you know, NCOs around them, right? Non-commissioned officers yeah. and senior leaders around them that have the experience. So yes, the, the guy with the gold or silver bars is in fact in charge, but he is, his or her decisions must be made or they better be made with the input of the guys that got girls that have the most experience on the ground. So where, you know, leaders flop in the military is where they assert their rank without gaining any of the knowledge and experience yeah. from the enlisted guys below them. So back to the teams. Yeah. So I had an ego for sure. Um, I wasn't much of a leader in the SEAL teams. I was more of a doer. I was very good at doing very good at tactical things, a little bit of strategy, uh -huh. but in terms of, leading other people it was more by example because it sure as f wasn't in, it, it wasn't me investing my time and energy into them which is another major aspect of you know leadership of good leadership we've got to put time and effort into our people which brings up that old you know i don't know who started it first or who asked the question but it's kind of that that idea of you know what if we train our people and they leave us Right. Yeah. A, a better question is, is what if we don't train our people and they stay? Yeah. yeah right. That's... And furthermore, in every organization that we're ever in, there's going to be 100% turnover, right? Nobody lives forever. Yeah. Everybody will leave the corporation or organization they are working for. The question is when, and we all know turnover is expensive, but the point of that is to just to understand that hundred percent of people are going to turn over. So therefore, Get that, out of, get that out of your head that we can't train people because they're going to leave. Yeah, everybody's going to leave. Even the CEO will leave. He'll die or, or sell it or, or turn, it, you know, turn it into a publicly traded company or whatever, but everybody leaves. Yeah, no, that's, uh, you know, those questions that you ask, right, um, really just to kind of shift the perspective of, you know, very quickly for people to really kind of open to it. So, yeah, powerful to be like, hey, <laughs> you know, we can either lift the, everyone up and so that we continue to rise and 
if someone ends up leaving because of that, that's like our organization is just set up so much better than we were before versus if we have this scarcity mindset or being insecure and like trying to hold everybody that down. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, to tell us a little bit about your story. I, like I said, I, I've listened to a few podcasts that you've been on and I know, um, you know, childhood, as you, as you said, was not the greatest and, and you had a, a unique experience right before getting out of uh, graduating high school and going into to buds with with the swimming team and, and failing uh, PE class and, and how that was a big thing for you. But yeah, maybe you could just kind of fill us in on, on who you are, like the path that you've been on to get you to where you are today. You've done your homework. That's, uh, yes, sir. that's good. Good job. Um, I, you know, that I think that was something you brought up there was a pivotal part in my life. And the reason why it was pivotal was because something was taken away from me or, or better said, I lost it. I screwed up and it was taken away from me mm-hmm. or I caused it to go away. Yeah see that in the beginning. Yeah, no, no, I didn't see that then. Not at all. Mm -hmm. I'm sure I had the idea that it was everybody else's fault on the planet's but mine, but that's not how the world works. And (laughs) as, as I grew and you're laughing, so I know, you know, um, we're, we're control of everything, you know, that, and this kind of ties into that victimhood mentality of, yeah, you can, you can say things happened to you and this guy screwed you over, or you can't believe that happened or, or whatever. But everything I've ever screwed up in my life, it's come from me. It's come from within. No, I can't blame any of my shortfalls on anybody else. So I had some success in 11th grade with the swim team, breaststroke. I was like 10th in the state, which was interesting for me because I wasn't, I wasn't good at anything because I didn't put forth the effort in anything. I didn't get it yet. I didn't really get it until I was in buds, until I was in SEAL training. So back Back into high school, I'm doing all the sports. I'm not really putting any time and effort into it, into them. I'm not taking them seriously. 11th grade, I half take seriously the swim team, get some good success, like 10th in the state and breast. Um, senior year rolls around, I'm putting more effort in, still not 100%, but maybe, I don't know, yeah. 85%. And I'm, I'm going undefeated. I'm setting school records. Uh, I'm just excelling and, you know, excelling not even at 100%. So, Fast forward, right before the, the state championships in my undefeated year, I get thrown off the swim team. How do you do that? You know, you don't show up to gym class. You don't play kickball. You call Mr. Gutterson, gutter joke, the red nose boozer. <laughs> and uh, and the, the school's uh, scholastic director tosses me off the swim team. And it was the first time in my life where I realized, wow, if I, if I want something, I can't half-ass it. I've got to put all, I got to go all in 100% dedication, 100% take it seriously, 100% on everything, or this could happen to me again. And if that, if that didn't happen to me, maybe I wouldn't have had the right mindset and maybe I would have quit in SEAL training. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's you know, I mean, the timing of, of certain things, I say this a lot, like I look at where I am today and what I'm doing, and now I can look back at everything that, that has happened in the, in the past and be like, man, that, yeah, that all aligns. That makes sense why I went through that, why I did that, and how it helps me to be who I am. But in the moment, like, yeah, I'm not seeing it. I have no clue. You know, all, the, all of those different things that go on in our lives. So it's, it's very interesting to see how those things fall into place for all of us. And we yeah. seem to all have these kinds of stories, right? So tell, tell me a little bit more about higher grounds in, in, in the role that you have there and, and what you guys are all about, what you're doing. And, uh, you know, I always like to talk about vision, right? I think great leaders, I'm a football guy. So I, I, 
I kind of go, even though I'm not, not a Patriots fan, not an Alabama fan, but I can respect Bill Belichick and Nick Saban for the level that they have performed at over the time period that they've been able to continue to do it. And so they obviously have this incredible vision, this championship leadership vision, and not only vision, but courage to be able to take action on that when it's not the pop, like no one else can see it, right? Because they're not at that level. They're like, they're looking at them like they're crazy. Why are they doing this? What, what's going on here? And yet, obviously, so, something's working and they're seeing that. What, what for you, maybe, as you, as you talk about higher grounds and, and the direction you guys are going and what you're doing? Like, yeah, well, let me, let me touch on the, the football stuff you talked about. I'm a big football fan as well, yeah. or at least I was. Uh, I actually haven't watched football in three years since it got political, but yeah. I, I still have appreciation for it. And you mentioned Belichick. Or Belichick. Um, I'm not a Patriots fan either, but I respect, I respect him and I respect Tom Brady. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're just, they're the ultimate leaders. Um, they don't rest on their laurels. They've never arrived. You're always training, training, training. And by the way, that's the secret sauce of the SEAL teams. If there is one, yeah. we just yeah. train harder than everybody else. And we just, okay. we just do ridiculous scenarios so that when you get to war, it's really not that big of a deal because yeah. you've already trained harder beforehand. But back to football, not, they, they make the best of their people. They don't need a big name person. Yeah, they had Tom Brady, but guess what? When Tom Brady was hurt, I think they still had 12 wins with some other football. Yeah, they did, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. another quarterback that you don't even, like I don't even remember his name. You make the most of your people. Those guys also make the best in-game decisions. They, they make the best in-game changes. They are the most flexible. They are the most adaptable. And that's another thing about the SEAL teams that I think is part of the secret sauce is the mm -hmm. adaptability, right? So if you go into a game or a mission with a plan and uh, within the first minute, the plan falls apart. You don't have to panic. You just make in-game adjustments. And that's what those guys do better than anybody else. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So back to higher ground. First of all, I think it's important to note higher ground is all about helping people. And I wasn't interested in helping people until about five years ago. <laughs> I didn't give a crap about humanity until about five years ago. And, um, my hook Where was that from um, yeah well okay. just you mentioned it earlier uh -huh. childhood like i didn't have a great okay. childhood i had no mentors no positive mentors i didn't seek any mentors i didn't want any mentors i mean i started drinking heavily at 12. Uh -huh. um you know my dad was a piece of work that we could talk about for hours uh, my mom wasn't really around for me she she had a younger daughter to to raise so i was kind of on my own at six and a half and then really on my own at 12 and, and it just went haywire, you know, but back to, back to higher ground and, and humanity. So I'm working at um, 624,000 acre eco res, uh, resort. So I'm running that and I'm, and I'm seasonal so I can have the winter off, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So I'm up in sun Valley, Idaho. And I, and I start to volunteer as a special Olympics ski instructor. And that was my hook to humanity. That was the first time I actually gave a crap about other human beings in a yeah. positive manner. And it was the Special Olympics skiing. And I think that also started to upgrade my humility. I didn't have a whole lot of humility before then. I was sort of sick of myself, sick of my ego, sick of my lack of empathy and humility. And I, I, I sort of, and this was, this was not conscious. This wasn't a conscious decision yeah. for me to go yeah. into this sector. But looking back, it filled the hole. It filled a gap that I had. Uh, and that was, you know, empathy, humility, compassion, giving a crap about humanity. So anyway, I went from Special Olympic ski instructor to veterans. And the reason I went to veterans in general and veterans with 
traumatic brain injuries and post-traumatic stress disorder, as opposed to like super cool, you know, the Navy SEAL Foundation, the SEAL Legacy Foundation. There's a ton of spec ops type foundations that I could have uh, joined and, yeah. and I have done some things with, I've, I have volunteered some of my time with them. But the point is, is I wanted to sort of, you know, kiss the feet of the masses, so to speak. Like I wanted to just, I didn't want to be all super cool and elite. That, that would have been more of the old. I wanted to, to be with everybody and to be with, you know, any, any serviceman that had issues, I, I wanted to help. So that's where I am now. So Higher Ground helps people with traumatic brain injuries, post-traumatic stress disorder, and military sexual trauma on the military side. And I ran okay. the military side in Idaho for five years. And there's another side of higher ground, which of course is the people with disabilities of all ages. And that's the special Olympics and, you know, cognitive uh, disabilities and all that. So yeah, higher ground, it's a one week uh, therapeutic recreation program. What the heck is that? That is doing some type of an event, whether it's fly fishing, skiing, whitewater rafting, the event doesn't really matter. It's the process. And then later in the day, we talk about it, talk about the process, talk about what it's like to be back in a group and, and to be with like-minded individuals and be back in a tribe. And we have five days of real intentional content that we give them. Plus, there's a mental health professional on site in case it goes deep. And we follow up with these folks for three years. So out of the 50,000 or so veteran service organizations in our country, I think Higher Ground is like top three or five. It's, it's yeah. really good. Yeah, that's incredible. That sounds amazing. So is this something that like, are these, these events or these programs, are they all over the country? So we're currently doing camps in six or eight states. We have brick and mortar facilities in Idaho, Los Angeles, and outside of Buffalo. Okay. And so, um, so I'm actually a different title. I, I didn't, I, I forgot, I didn't tell you this when we were chit-chatting beforehand, but I'm actually now the director of strategic partnerships. So okay. all that means is uh, it's my job and they've, you know, I came up with this and they said, yes, I want to put on camps in all 50 states. There's yeah. plenty of veterans in all 50 states. So that's my charter. Uh, my first two goals or targets are Virginia Beach and Dallas. We uh, will do, we'll do, uh, hopefully we'll do a camp in, in fall of 2020 in, in both places. And then just start sprinkling them across the, the, the globe, across the, the country at least. Yeah, and, well, uh, uh, that's, uh, uh, yeah, offline maybe, but I'd love to talk about that. So. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. So with that, I mean, um, we could talk about online or offline, but anybody, you know, that's hurting, send, send them my way and, uh, it's free door to door. It's an amazing program. Yeah. Sounds amazing. I love it. So what's, uh, I know you talked about early on, not having a lot of mentors and, and people maybe there to kind of really help you through some of these times that you were going through and maybe you wouldn't have even been open to it. Right. Who knows? Right. But, do you have those people in your life now? I mean, I think it's always important, you know, probably till the day we die that we always have those people that we can go to and lean on and for support and advice and guidance. Yeah. I'm still very resistant in person. I'm still very resistant and I haven't quite dug into that yet. I mean, I think I know the mm -hmm. basics of it. The basics are everything we described and you know, I'm 44 and I had about 40 years of programming where that wasn't yeah. what I wanted, but where it started for me was I was, I was doing executive protection and I was down near the Mexico border and I was driving in a truck around this ranch. It's a 25,000 acre ranch and it's right near the border. It's actually so close to the border that it's like 40 miles north of the border and 40 miles east of the border, like way down in the tip of Texas. 
So they have illegals coming through their property constantly. Most of them are just, you know, looking for a better life, but some of them are, are got backpacks of drugs and guns and everything else. Yeah. So it's a pretty, so we need to be there mm-hmm. and they're billionaires. So we're there. So anyway, I'm yeah. driving around in, in a vehicle at 2 AM. You know, I probably had my fifth Red Bull and throwing a dip in, listening to Metallica, just driving around. And I'm like, there's gotta be something better than this. There's just, I, this, this isn't it. I'm, I'm sort of just wasting away here. And I started to listen to like Jim Rohn. So Jim Rohn was the yeah. first guy that I would consider a mentor, yeah. even though it was an, you know, it was an audio, it wasn't in person, but that was good enough. And he was saying these things to me that I was like, wow, that's, that's so true. That can't not be true that what he is saying is just universal. So I started to kind of dig into him and, you know, I sprinkled in some Tony Robbins and got a little Zig Ziglar in there and just started listening to all these type of people that really upgraded my mindset. So, so in terms of mentors, they've been pretty much audio, yeah, uh, not, not so much in person, but I'm sure sooner or later I'll, I'll get to that in person aspect of it. Sure. You bet. You talked about like, I don't know. I think you said it was about five years ago, maybe a lot lot less self-centered focus and, and started to really kind of, you know, open up to how you could serve others and impact and lift others up. I'm, yeah. you know, I'm just curious and, and by no means do you, I need you to get like in depth or, you know, give, give away deep, dark secrets, but um, just how, how has that impacted you relation, like personally, relationally with, you know, whether that's inside your marriage, uh, with kids, with, you know, just friends and, and like, how, how did that shift impact how you showed up, you know, just with those that are close to you? Huge, hugely. So I wasn't, geez, where, where do I go with this? There's so many places to go with it. I wasn't interested in conversation. I wasn't interested yeah. in connecting with other human beings. I like, I, I had this epiphany just a couple of days ago, actually, I've never had a problem with presence doing. I've always had a problem with presence talking or being. So yeah. the reason why I was very good at what I did in the SEAL teams or riding a yeah. dirt bike or whatever I'm doing is because I can be in the event 100%. I can be 100% present and not think about anything else that's distracting and just laser focus on the task at hand. But that hasn't been the case up until recently with communication and relationship and connection. I just never, it never crossed my mind. I was literally 43 years old. Last year, I came to the conclusion. I was like, somebody said it. And I was like, wait a minute, what? Somebody said, you know, sometimes people have conversations just to connect. And I'm like, I'm like, wait, what? what? They're like, yeah, people, it's funny. My, my wife laughed at me. She's like, dude, I knew that at six. I'm like, well, I didn't, I didn't figure it out until I was 43, you know, right. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's, hey. it's, yeah, it like, showed up big know. time. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Thank you. Um, coming out of the, you know, you, it's been a while since, when was it that you came out of the, the teams? It's been a while, 04. So I was 04. in 90, okay. 93 to 04. So what, what have you done to continually, like, from just a f- physical standpoint, like I'm always challenging myself, I'm, you know, run 100 miles and do some of that stuff. And I'm always looking for something to push me because that really, it does, it drives me, it gives me something to, to stay fit, to stay active, to stay healthy, to be exempt. Like, like all the, there's a ton of reasons why I love to do, have some challenges in front of me. What do you, I'm just curious for you, like, do you, what do you, what do you do physically to stay challenged and stay fit and all that? 
Yeah. Well, I'd say I go in phases. I'm definitely a phases type guy. Yeah. Um, you know, when I left the Navy, I said I would never run again. <laughs> yeah. And, and I meant it. And I don't think I did run for, I don't know how many years, but yeah. then I started to get back into it and I got into marathons and I did an adventure race and okay. got into triathlons. And um, I, I will always work out as long as I can work out. Um, there's probably some vanity in there. There's also, sure. uh, uh, there's also quite frankly, an aspect of, you know, I used to get my ass beat a lot as a kid from yeah. either, you know, my dad or, or elsewhere. So I, I'm just, I'm, I always want to train. I always want to be physically dominant. I, you know, yeah. I believe in martial arts, whether you use them or not. I think everybody needs to know how to fight. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's inherent. I, I love working out. I love the, I love every aspect of it. I love how hard it is. I love how hard squats are. You know, I, I enjoy almost puking. So I'm, that'll, that'll never go away. I think yeah. what I do just goes, just goes in phases, but yeah. you know, you bring up ultras and, and long events. And I think what all that is, is, is training the mind appropriately, you know, just training the mind to shut the F up mm -hmm. because the mind will come up with a million different reasons as to why you should stop. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I got to interview uh, Mark Allen once one-on-one. -on -one, and this was like 10, 15 years ago when I was running this course and I hired him to train the trainer and he was like the top Ironman athlete. Like yeah, he okay. won it like six or seven times. So I got to ask him like, what, you know, dude, what was your, can you tell me the deal? Like, how did you dominate? And the, the physical aspect of dominating was heart rate training. Like he was the first pro to bring in heart rate training to the scene. And they joked him at first because, you know, he's, he's pedaling his bike at like a 135 beats per yeah. minute and everybody's passing them and joking him. But did six he months with Bill Mathetone? I don't know. I didn't. I didn't. I don't know if he. Did. Okay. Yeah. I think you. Yeah. But anyway. Sorry. So. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. anyway, he he's so he's 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 riding along at one thirty five, and they're joking him. And but you know, six or nine months later, he's passing them at one thirty five, and they're probably at one yeah. one one fifty or one sixty. But anyway, the the mental aspect was, he's like, look, you you swear on your show, by the way, are you? Yeah. yeah I've, I've already said ask once, but yes, you good. You good. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He goes. He goes. You have to tell your mind to shut the fuck up. And I'm like, okay, that makes sense. He's like, <laughs> your mind will tell you like, man, you've already done this race. You've already won this race. What are you trying to prove? And oh, by the way, your feet hurt, your ankles hurt, your shins hurt, your knees yeah. hurt. You've already beat that guy. You've already beat that guy. You've already beat that guy. What are you trying to prove? Knock this nonsense off. And he had to just tell his mind to shut the F up because um, that's just how our minds work. Our minds, I know Tom Shea talks about this. You know, our yeah. minds will they'll give us a bunch of reasons why to stop. It doesn't want us to do what we want it to do and we have to make it. Yeah, no, I love that. And uh, no, I'm gonna use it. Um, Cause yeah, I mean, it does, it, it never shuts off. It's always trying to get us to stop and uh, for whatever reason, right? But, um, but yeah, shut the fuck yeah. up. I love it. Yeah. So, I wanna respect your time here, but I do wanna ask, this is something that I, I, I ask most guests is, you know, what's, what's a moment in your, in your life where, you know, critical moment, turning point where, you know, you did choose to, to go on the path that you, you did and that's got you where you are today, but could have very easily had you some, you know, completely different path in life. Is there one that sticks out to you? That I think it's, there's so many lessons that we can learn and the listeners can, you know, especially when they're in that moment themselves right now, trying to choose like, what's the right thing and, and just kind of the battling with that. Is there a moment that sticks out to you that was really kind of crucial yeah, where you are today. 
I think for me, it was, it was diving into my weaknesses. It was um, either consciously or subconsciously diving into my weaknesses. So, you know, I could have, so for example, I got out of the SEAL teams and went into defense contracting and I was with a bunch of other SEALs. It was very familiar. It wasn't a jump. It was a different sector, but really it was the same exact thing as I was doing and there was no growth there, right? So, you know, you only grow out of the comfort zone. So there's no growth in the comfort zone. So what I would say to you is, is do, do an inventory of yourself, take down all your strengths and weaknesses, and then really focus on the weakness side and really dig into those weaknesses and look at them and tear them apart and ask yourself, do you want to spend the time and energy and effort to upgrade those weaknesses or do you want to hire them out? That's good for a business. That's good if you're in corporate, whatever. If you can't up, if you can't or don't want to upgrade certain aspects of your life, find them externally, right? We can't all be masters of everything, right? Yeah. We can't, we can't, we can't be super detail oriented and be super, you know, 30,000 view oriented. Yeah, you can do both, but normally you're good at one or the other. So the point of saying all that is, is I would say, look at your strengths and weaknesses, dive into your weaknesses and upgrade them or acknowledge that you have that and they're probably not going to change and that you need to seek uh, external help. Yeah. You know, something in what you just said made me think of this, you know, coming back to the decision to get out of the Navy and out of the SEAL teams was so that you could start a family. Right. And, uh, but, but what's, what's popping up for me is like, man, you were still very like self-centered at that point. And so that's like a weird you know, in a way, it's a weird thought to be like, I'm going to go and create this family. And like, I don't know, if, does that make sense in what I'm trying to say? Yeah, and it, you, it does. It, it, it does. I was starting to, I was already starting to get sick of myself and sick of my ego, sick of my, okay. my ways, you know, and if I was, if I was completely selfish, I would have stayed in because I did leave in my prime and yeah. uh, I left the, the pinnacle, the, the, right. the best command you can get to. But I did everything I wanted to do, and I can, I can tell you that offline or some other time, you know, mm -hmm. the way my deployments worked out. I just I nailed everything I wanted to do, and then it was time to get out. It was, I've never, I've never stuck around too long. I've never, um, you know, I guess if I was like a boxer, I would probably, I would probably leave in my prime. I, I, I think I would, yeah. I think I would have the wherewithal to leave in my prime versus staying, sticking around six or eight more years and getting my head caved in you know so i think it's easier i think it's better to leave early than late and that's a difficult thing for people to do i mean i think you know it's understandably you know when you're at that pinnacle you want to continue to defeat that a lot of people do right or you see them leave and then come back uh so it's yeah it's interesting you know thank you for uh, well here, here's another aspect of of honesty that that most wouldn't say and i haven't really said until now I was also done with the job in terms of, so I did, I had, I had five deployments, but, and they, they, I had five combat deployments, but only really three of them were what I consider combat. But anyway, mm -hmm. on those combat deployments, the first deployment, I, I wanted to die in a blaze of glory. Like I wanted to be the guy to jump on their grenade. I wanted to be the guy to, to die, you know, to die on laying on a pile of brass and saving the day. And cause I was, I just, I had that. And I wasn't, I was, it wasn't healthy in the mind. I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't that I wasn't yet cognizant of, of, of mind health and, and being mentally healthy. So first deployment, I wanted to die in a blaze of glory. Second deployment, I thought that idea was kind of stupid. And then the third deployment, 
you know, I, I was, I really thought that I, I did was stupid and I wanted to have kids. So yeah, I was, I was, yeah, I was pretty yeah. much done. So, I mean, I've yeah. got buddies that have done 13, 15, 18 deployments yeah. and I salute them and take my hat off. I, you know, yeah. obviously yeah. I, I don't know if I could, but I didn't yeah. do that, yeah. do that yeah. many. Yeah. And uh, yeah, thank you for that. Appreciate it. What are one or two things that you could leave with the listeners that, you know, if, if they were to implement today into their life, it would help move them forward today. Yeah. I'll say one thing mm-hmm. and that is you can do anything. The difference between, you know, people, most, most people nowadays have heard the different, you know, growth mindset, fixed mindset. Um, those are just terms that, that uh, a woman wrote a book about. I, I think the the point is, is if you come up with a goal in your mind and you start to think about that goal and a roadblock occurs or an obstacle occurs that stops the process, you've got a fixed mindset. If you're thinking about a goal and you get infatuated with that goal and you think I'm going to complete that goal come hell or high water, you've got a growth mindset. I think these are just my, these are just my opinions. And the point of that is, is have the, have the awareness. So if you have, if you have these ideas and you start to run through the ideas and you, and you come to a roadblock, have the awareness to be like, whoa, I'm now focusing on an obstacle and I'm not focusing on the goal. I'm not focusing on the mission. I'm focusing on something that might stand in my way and it stops the process. So awareness is the first thing. And then after awareness is to set smaller goals, tiny goals. So if you want to run a marathon, but you're only, you know, you can only run a mile, well then run a mile and then run a mile in 10 steps and then run a mile in 50 steps and then run a mile in a hundred steps and then run a mile and a half. So you make these little tiny goals and uh, you realize that you can do exactly what you want to do, but you've got to have that mindset, that growth mindset, that mission focus, that I will get this done come hell or high water period. So that's what I would say it is, is know that you can do anything you put your mind to. And that's just not some bullshit statement. It's for real. Totally. If, you, if you put enough time and effort into it, you can do it. And don't let anything or anybody, including yourself, and that's probably the most important, tell yeah. you different. Yeah. 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 That's powerful. Thank you. And yeah, I say the same thing with, you know, some of the things that I've done and by no means are they uh, earth shattering, but like, man, if I can do this, like literally anyone can go and do this. And so, yeah, it just falls right in line with exactly what you're saying. So I uh, appreciate you taking some time to be here today. Is there anything else that we can, um, you know, ways we can follow you or, or support you and what you guys got going on? Yeah, I mean, you can, you can check out www.highergroundusa.org and uh, check them out and, and maybe, uh, you know, donate a little bit to them. They, they could use it. Yeah. Uh, VetToCEO.org is another cool organization that teaches entrepreneurship skills to veterans for free. Both of these are for free, by the way, to, to, mm-hmm. the, to the end user. And uh, yeah, those are a couple of nonprofits. And then uh, check out my podcast and uh, you can come on my pack podcast. I'd love to have you on board. I would love to. Yeah, it would be great. Let's make it happen. Right. Cool. Um, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, hit subscribe to that, the full Monty. So uh, appreciate you. Thanks Monty for being here and uh, have a great day, man. My pleasure. Appreciate it. Thank you. In 05 and 06, I deployed to Kuwait. I used to wait every day for them to say, Nature going home. I miss my life, miss my wife. For 15 months, she was all alone.
When I got back, I felt out of control. Feeling entitled, I put my life on hold. I keep on drinking, so I'm sinking in a river of liquor. Me and my wife weren't all right. I didn't reconnect with it. I had a business, insurance agent, and rental properties. But is there something bigger than this? I know there's gotta be, so I invested in myself. I started seeing coaches. Life is a camera, I fixed the lens, and now I see him focus. Now my life's unrecognizable from my life just a couple years ago. 17 plus years of marriage, it's never been better than this. And we got three kids, that's who I do it for. I'm gonna be a leader, I'ma lead the way, cause I'm a firm believer. We can do anything we want. If I said it, then I meant it, I probably already did it. Consider it done. Consider it done. If you need some inspiration, you should play this. Championship Leadership Podcast. 